0: Hi guys, welcome to Walla Moms, where we talk about everything in Portland that you can't talk about. One of the questions that I received from you guys is whether the murder rate in Portland is up 800% or 1600%. And I remembered seeing the 1600 number, I didn't remember where it was from, I did. I am not a statistician, and you don't want me running numbers. That's it's not what I do, and it's not. It wouldn't be a good use of anybody's time because anything I would come up with would be wrong. So I have to rely on data already compiled for me. But um, I'm going to go with the 800 number, and here's why. I did find the 1600 percent number. I found it on Fox News. April 1st, 2021. And the headline is police defunded major cities feeling the loss of police funding as murders, other crimes soar. I will, and I'll give you the text before I, I analyze it. The text is, this is towards the end of the article in Portland records show that murders. More than triple year over year. Police statistics from July 2020, when the city's budget cuts were made in this past February, the most recent data available, show homicides skyrocketed 270.6% compared to the same time last year. There were 63 homicide offenses reported from July 2020 through February 2021, but only 17 recorded from July 2019 through February 2020, police data show. In the first two months of 2021 alone, Portland reported 17 murders, a 1600% increase from the single murder reported during the first two months of 2020, Portland Police Bureau statistics show. So they're claiming to have used crime statistics based on data compiled by the Portland Police Bureau at portlandoregon.gov. And the increase is just really between uh, the first two months of 2021 versus the first two months of 2020. So, I'm not necessarily disputing that statistic. I haven't run the police numbers and I'm not good enough at compile. like I said, I'm not good enough at compiling data to determine whether or not that's correct. And I, I have no objective or scientific or anything reason to believe that that data from the city of Portland, which you can find at portlandoregon.gov under Crime Statistics, Um, You can find that yourself and compile that yourself. I have no reason to believe those numbers are wrong. My issue is I don't tend to quote Fox News because it is so clearly right-wing. Like That would be like me quoting a Rachel Maddow statistic or quoting, I don't like to quote the Daily Beast or Vox really either. And I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, well, you know, you talk all the time, even on this podcast, about how the Times and the Post are not necessarily centrist or even always newsworthy publications anymore. And I would agree with that. But in general, I believe that they're more reliable than Fox News. So I tend to stick with data from a more from more reliable sources. Um, and I tend to shy away from data on either side of the far political spectrum. So you're not going to hear, you're probably not going to hear me quoting Rachel Maddow, and you're probably not going to hear me quoting Fox News. And when I think data or a news analysis is incorrect or is biased, I will point that out on the right or the left, mostly on the left because. Um, my head's sort of on a swivel as to where my party is fucking up and doing wrong because it's so wildly out of control. I, I've never seen it this bad. I've never seen the Democratic Party this, I mean, you know, maybe y'all have, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure Republicans have, but I, from my perspective, the Democrats have never been this out of control. They've completely lost it. Uh, to the, the, they've surrendered themselves to the woke mob. So that's just my perspective. But generally, I'm going to pick news sources that tend to be as much in the middle of the spectrum as possible to the extent the analysis skews to the right or the left either way. I will certainly note that and probably criticize it. But in the meantime, um, Fox News just generally wouldn't be a source I would turn to. So that's where the sixteen hundred data comes from. And then the 800% increase, that data was reported, was also reported um, and compiled by crime statistics from the city of Portland. and But it was reported widely. So the 800% was reported in ABC News, June 10th, 2021, And those are those headlines where we talked about on uh, one of the podcasts where they're admitting that the homicides are up 800%, but they're saying the Republicans are misleading about the cause. So virtually every headline says that. Like the ABC News headline says, homicides are up, but GOP misleads with claims about blame. That's from June 10th, 2021. Same date, June 10th, 2021, AP News. Homicides are up, but GOP, same same. Headline, GOP misleads with claims about blame. Um, It it looks like it was also in the New Republic. May 26th, 2021, how cops use crime rates against the movement to defund the police. So the 800% is pretty widely accepted. And the 800%, so the 1,600%, it looked like Fox News was looking at data just from the first two months of any of the given years. So like the first two months of 2020 versus the first two months of 2021. The 800% is based on first five months of 2020 versus first five months of 2021. So we have a little more data to play with, with the 800%. And to be fair, the AP News said, In Portland, homicides were up from six in the first five months of 2020 to 38. In the first five months of 2021, according to city police data, a more than 530% increase. That's lower than the 800% increase claimed by the Fraternal Order of Police, which said it was based on homicides through May 25th. So the AP is saying that the statistics are wrong. I mean, but just on the bare page reading... Thirty From six people dead in 2020 in the first five months to 38 people dead in the first five months of 2020 is really, really terrifying. And also, I just want to be really transparent. The ABC news article, June 10th, 2021, also believes that it's not 800%. They think... That it's, it's uh, 530% like the AP. Um, and they look at six versus 38. And so they say that's lower than the 800% increase claimed by the Fraternal Order of Police. So, either way, I mean, is it 530%? Is it 800% in five months? In two months, it might be 1600%. I have no reason, I, I didn't see any articles rebutting or any data. Uh, that had been compiled that was rebutting the Fox News 1,600% increase. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a lot. It's too much. It's distressingly bad and horrific. So now that we have answered that question and done an analysis of the 1,600% versus the 800% increase, let's talk about the latest shootings. September 10th, uh, 2021, Lincoln High School teacher recovering after being hit by stray bullet while sleeping. Before we get into the meat of the article, let's talk about Lincoln High School. Lincoln High School might be the most sought after public high school in the city of Portland. It attracts top Academically and athletically inclined students. It is downtown. It is right near the Multnomah Athletic Club, which is sort of the premier, fancy country clubish gym that all the rich people go to. And a lot of the times, the kid, the rich kids, that they'll go back and forth. Um, it's that kind. It's practically a prep school. It's that kind of a school. S- colleges all over the country have heard of it, and they understand that the students who matriculate out of there can be extremely, extremely talented. Again, it's located right in downtown. It's being rebuilt currently. So here's the article. A Lincoln high school teacher is recovering after being hit by a stray bullet while sleeping in her southeast Portland home earlier this week, according to a school official. Maggie Rasek, R-A-C-Z-E-K, a A biology teacher was taken to a hospital early Tuesday with serious but non-life-threatening injuries, Portland police said. Ms. Reisek received excellent care at OHSU and is now recovering with the support of her family and close friends. Lincoln High School principal Peyton Chapman said in an email to parents and students, Ms. Reisek wants people to know that she is doing okay and in good spirits, she is grateful for the support of her LHS community." Police have released no information about the circumstances of the shooting which occurred on Southeast 64th Avenue. A police spokesperson Friday said investigators have developed no suspect information. So high school teachers are now being shot while they're asleep. If this doesn't sound the alarm, I don't know what does. If this can't get Ted Wheeler's attention... I frankly don't know what can. Another one of the latest shootings in Portland, this is from September 25th, 2021, uh, the Oregonian, OregonLive.com, one dead, two injured in overnight shooting at Northwest Portland Pizza Restaurant. This was at Silver Dollar Pizza, 501 Northwest 21st Avenue. Anybody who uh, had a good time here in the 90s or who lives anywhere near the Northwest District or Uptown, Knob Hill, um, whatever you call that neighborhood, or wanna call it, a- everybody knows the silver dollar. Everybody knows Northwest 21st and Northwest 23rd. That's where a lot of the premier restaurants, bars, shops, are located, and and in travel guides, they tell you, park near 21st and 23rd and just stroll around. And as a family, we do that all the time. My kids' doctors at Good Sam, and we stroll around near there all the time, um, up and down those streets. And in fact, the Silver Dollar is a place where when we would get done with work, a lot of the time, um, when I was at a big firm downtown, we would all get together afterwards, and we'd either walk up there or drive drive up there and meet. And some of our colleagues had birthday parties there. We um, just, you know met up for beers after after work. We um, people would bring their significant others or their partners to meet their work colleagues there. I mean we were there. I feel like relatively often we'd have dinner there, we'd have we'd grab a pizza. I mean, this is that kind of a place. One man, here's the text of the article. One man was killed and two others injured in an overnight shooting at a pizza restaurant and bar on a well-known corner of Northwest Portland's popular 21st Avenue Entertainment District. The shooting was reported about 2 a.m. Friday at Silver Dollar Pizza at 501 Northwest 21st Avenue. Homes and apartment buildings, as well as bars, Restaurants and a Trader Joe's line the blocks around the site. Police said the two wounded men were taken to a hospital. One was released last night while the other is in stable condition and recovering. The third man identified as 34-year-old Jacob Knight Vasquez died at the scene from a gunshot wound, they said. The suspect left the area and headed west before officers arrived, police said. One witness, a re- recent graduate from the University of Oregon, was playing pool that night with her friends in the back of the bar when she heard six to seven loud pops, she said. She and her friends quickly dropped to the ground as the scene around them turned into chaos, she said. I was on the floor for a while, she said. People were running. There was blood smeared up against the bathroom door. As most people stayed on the ground, two men ran toward the sounds of gunfire with what looked like their own guns drawn, she said. She asked not to be named for personal safety reasons. Sam McBale, the owner of of Silver Dollar Restaurant, said the suspect shot into the restaurant while standing outside the doors. The shooter didn't appear to be a customer, he said. Police said homicide detectives do not believe Knight Vasquez was the intended target of the shooting. It isn't clear if the other victims of the shooting were intended targets. Detectives are seeking video surveillance from residents and businesses in the area of Northwest Gleason Street between 21st Avenue and 23rd Avenue. For any footage of people walking or driving away from the scene before sunrise Friday, the the neon open sign was still on inside the Silver Dollar Pizza, and a few flat screen TVs were showing football highlights as police milled outside. A mobile police precinct and at least 10 patrol cars were at the scene. One neighborhood resident ducked under police tape and headed to work just before 6 a.m. Alice Foster said she heard between 8 to 10 shots early Friday and the sound of a person screaming, but she didn't think anything of it because those noises are common in the neighborhood. Foster said she thought it could have been construction at the nearby K-12 school, the Metropolitan Learning Center. Christina Barris, who has taught high school science at the Learning Center for seven years, was walking to work at about 7.30 a.m. when she saw the crime scene tape blocking off the bustling neighborhood's major intersection. Her students frequent Silver Dollar Pizza for lunch. This will obviously have an impact on students who go to school here, Barris said. She received an email from the school's principal that there had been an incident and police would be nearby all morning, she said. If students asked her about it in class, she said she planned to be circumspect to avoid traumatizing any students who may have experienced gun violence. Barris said it is typical to see people experiencing homelessness or using drugs in the Knob Hill area, but a shooting is out of the ordinary. Parents and school buses arrived for drop-off at about 8 a.m. at the school, 2033 Northwest Gleason Street. Police escorted families and students under the crime scene tape that stretched outside the school. Carrie Franey has lived in Knob Hill for three years and was out walking her dog when she saw the crime scene. Until recently, Franey worked at the McMenamin's Blue Moon Tavern and Grill on 21st Avenue, Kitty Corner from the shooting. The corner of bars is always so great, and Silver Dollar is a wonderful spot, Franey said. It is disheartening to think the neighborhood might lose business or people may feel unsafe here. Franey said this is the first of that she's heard of someone being shot in the neighborhood. She has friends who bartend at Silver Dollar and said she sent texts to them asking if they were okay. At Ken's Artisan Bakery on Northwest 21st, locals lined up before the popular shop opened at 8 a.m., glancing down the block at police tape. At the register, the man looked at the cashier and said of the shooting, someone was taken from our earth last night. The shooting death was Portland's 66th homicide of the year, the most in more than three decades, and on pace to surpass the city's record of 70 homicides in 1987. Gun violence is responsible for most of the killings this year. Silver Dollar Pizza was closed as of 2.30 to patch up broken windows and other damage caused by the gunfire, but the surrounding area was open and stayed busy. A memorial of bouquets lay on the sidewalk outside the bar. So unlike in a city such as Chicago or New York, where you know Chicago has the South Side, New York has the Bronx. Or unlike, you know, uh, San Francisco has the Tenderloin, LA has Skid Row, Compton areas like that. The shootings in Portland are happening absolutely everywhere. Portland is becoming Detroit or St. Louis. Nobody, literally nobody, is safe. So there can't be any ignoring of this anymore, and it, sh- it needs to stop being dismissed as Fox News propaganda. Now, I don't disagree that Fox News engages in propaganda, but this the homicide reporting that it's doing, it's frankly one of the few, w- rightly or wrongly, about the 1600% data, and I, I don't know about that, but Fox News is it's one of the few outlets that is consistently reporting on homicides in Portland. And very few people seem willing to touch this. Um, The Oregonian is as part of a local news effort, I think. But generally in the national media, few people are are willing to touch this at all. And it's it's a hot button issue because I think they're afraid that it will lead to a refunding or a just a funding of police efforts. And generally, the, the news media, they're afraid to report on that kind of stuff because they know the violence and mayhem and chaos that can result from just saying things like the police shouldn't be defunded. And I think they know that the result of reporting on this kind of horrific increase in crime in absolutely every quadrant of the city is going to lead to those kinds of statements and those kinds of conversations. We shouldn't be afraid of those conversations. They are conversations that need to happen. They are conversations that should be had. And data needs to be examined instead of just knee-jerk, anxiety Ridden reactions to crime that lead to a slashing of the police budget. These shootings now are everywhere. You can't swing a cat without hitting a stray bullet. They're in the Pearl District at Everybody Eats, which is, you know, right near like Powell's books. The Pearl District is probably the nicest, most premier entertainment area in the city of Portland um, might be tied with Northwest 21st or 23rd might be better. Either way, that's where shootouts and murders are happening. And now we have somebody who has been murdered on Northwest 21st Avenue. So it's not just shooting up and just uh, open-air drug markets anymore? Because it, it's true, on 21st and, and 23rd, th- those are full-on open-air drug markets at this point. It is common to just see drug use going on. And it at one point, there was a tent city in front of the Williams-Sonoma, which I found absolutely hilarious because they do that ridiculously opulent Christmas catalog every year. And to have an encampment out in front of there was... It was just a real ironic chef's kiss, a perfect dichotomy of the haves and the have-nots in the city of Portland. And to watch people walk around those tents and step over these filthy, you know, legs and arms and whatever that were stretched out of the tents to walk into William Sonoma was—it's—it's it's something I'll never forget. It was quite the sight. Also, in latest shootings, kgw.com reports September 26 2021 three people injured in overnight shooting near Lloyd district all three people were taken to a hospital where they're recovering from non life-threatening injuries. Three people were shot outside a bar early Sunday morning and are recovering at the hospital. Portland Police Bureau said it responded to reports of a shooting on September 26th, just after 2 a.m., outside of a bar in the 1400 block of Northeast Broadway. Two women and one man had been shot, and all three were transported to a local hospital where they were being treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Portland Police said that no suspect or suspects have been identified, they left before police responded, no arrests have been made. Last week, Multnomah County released a multifaceted plan to deal with the rising gun violence in the county. The plan addresses prosecution, law enforcement, community leadership, and public health. It outlines money that will be delegated to each of those four issues and how it is planning to be spent. Okay, we'll analyze that in a minute. That 1400 Northeast Broadway section is a pretty cool little area. It is not just the Lloyd District, which is far more seedy. It it's right that is right by Milo's City Cafe, which is a really delicious restaurant that my family's been going to for years and years. It's right by Helen Bernhard's Bakery, one of my favorite old school bakeries in the city. I mean, this is another entertainment district area. And it could be considered part of Irvington because, in fact, it is only a three-minute drive from Irvington School. So this is, frankly, incredibly scary. Irvington School is an elementary school. According to redfin.com, the real estate site, uh, the median sale price of a house in Irvington is $950,000. Similar to the Northwest District where Silver Dollar Pizza is located, I mean there are mansions there that sell for millions and millions and millions of dollars because it's walkable to all the restaurants and entertainment areas, just like Irvington is. So these are these shootings are happening in wealthy neighborhoods too, and the murders are happening there too. And they're they're just happening absolutely everywhere. People need to wait. It's time to wake up. And it's time to have the conversations about how we're gonna change this. And what I'm hoping is that we start hearing from the national media generally and from the voices that are most dominant in our city that Portland's not okay. You know, I'm hoping I'm hoping to hear Nick Kristoff say that Portland's not okay, that not just that Trump's anarchists are in fact here, and that it's not, not all some kind of propaganda, Fox News lie, but that the homicide rate increase is real and something that has to be contended with. It is time to reclaim the city from the shooters and, and from the anarchists. It is time to stop this anarchist form of non-government for people who can't write checks to fill the city's coffers. And it's time to pull our head out of our ass so that we don't end up like St. Louis and Detroit and so that even the San Franciscans stop moving here because frankly they're the only people saving us right now. That's all we're clinging to. Apparently the county has a plan to reduce gun violence. This is from kgw.com, September 23rd, 2021. Here's how Multnomah County plans to reduce gun violence. The countywide effort focuses on prosecutorial efficiency, removing illegal guns from the community, and investing in community partnerships aimed at prevention. Multnomah County unveiled a new plan to address rising gun violence on Thursday, a county-wide effort focused on increasing the prosecutorial efficiency of gun homicide cases, removing illegal firearms from the community, and investing in community partnerships and health programs aimed at prevention and intervention. The county has vowed to invest millions into the new plan. Among the investments, $1 million into the district attorney's office to hire four new prosecutors, and two new investigators, 2.8 million into public health programs, including a behavioral health response team of seven mental health professionals who will respond to shooting scenes. County leaders said they know change won't come quickly, but they hope the county's new plan will will strike a balance between short and long-term solutions. The problem is great, and we are here today to demonstrate how Multnomah County is responding to that challenge and moving forward urgently, holistically, and in close coordination, said Multnomah County Chair Deborah Kofori. Mike Schmidt, district attorney for the county, is working with Keforia to secure $1 million in funding to add two new investigators and four new attorneys that will help the district attorney's office increase its focus on homicide investigations and prosecutions. The district attorney's office recently released a dashboard that shows Multnomah County has dramatically increased prosecutions of gun-related cases over the past three years. Through August 13th, the district attorney's office has prosecuted 285 gun-related cases this year, up from 150 Two through the same date in 2020 and 51 in 2019. So stepping away from the article for a minute, it sounds like Mike, Sch- Mike Schmidt, who was previously committed to, unincarceration or deincarceration, is finally receiving the pressure, and it, that he deserved, and hearing some rational voices who were telling him to get these homicidal maniacs off the streets. So that is one piece of good news. Now, these mental health teams, I mean, behavioral health response team of seven mental health professionals who will respond to shooting scenes. What will they do? They'll counsel victims, I guess, and bystanders and witnesses, I don't know. It doesn't outline what they'll do. I don't know how that's going to prevent gun violence having a behavioral health response team of mental health professionals show up to a shooting scene after it happens. I I'm sure it's I I don't know how it can hurt, but I don't think it's going to decrease the amount of homicides or the shootings that are happening in these neighborhoods at all. I mean, it probably should have been Part of a response team, period, because you want to make sure that the trauma that is inf- is being inflicted upon your city by this huge increase in gun violence is being dealt with, and that your public is taken care of, that the bystanders and the victims, et cetera, receive the mental health treatment that they would certainly need after a traumatic event like a shooting. But as far as how that is going. The headline is, here's how Multnomah County plans to reduce gun violence. I don't think that's going to reduce gun violence. And they don't explain how they think it is either. And they don't have any data to say that having a bunch of mental health professionals show up after a homicidal maniac shoots people in an entertainment district decreases gun violence. Going back to the article... Multnomah County Sheriff Mike Reese said the sheriff's office in conjunction with law enforcement partners will focus on investigations, removing illegal guns from the community and keeping a visible presence in areas where shootings have happened. The sheriff's office will also continue to participate in the FBI's Metro Safe Streets Task Force. The number of guns removed from the community has increased significantly over the past three years, according to the county's press release. Deputies have confiscated 719 guns in 2021, up from 319 in 2020, and 267 in 2019. By removing firearms from the equation, we reduce the likelihood of a lethal outcome and keep guns out of the hands of those who pose the greatest risk, Reese said. I'm going to step away from the article for a minute. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, we need to confiscate illegal guns. But the article is admitting that according to the data, we're already increasing the amount of guns remo- removing from the community. And yet, homicides are continuing to fucking skyrocket, 1,600, 800% of sh- shootings, a shooting increase. And and homicides are just out, completely out of control. So removing the guns doesn't seem to be working because apparently we never stopped doing that and we're removing more and more and we can't seem to remove enough of them. So... I don't understand how that's going to solve gun violence. Back to the article. Community groups like the Public Safety Village, a group of Black-led organizations led by people who have been impacted by or involved in community violence, are important to the county's effort to reduce gun violence. The village provides cognitive behavioral therapy, conflict resolution, recreation opportunities, youth grief loss support groups, and decision-making skill building, among other services. The county's Department of Community Justice, in a collaboration with criminal justice partners, is working on a plan for call-ins, described by the county as targeted virtual public announcements sent to people on the department's caseloads who are known to be engaging in unsafe behavior. They will relay a message that this level of violence is not acceptable and will lead to consequences, the press release says. The Collins will also provide information about available services and support. Okay, I'm going to stop reading the article for a minute. So their other plan is to have a group of Black-led organizations. Do we know it's Black people doing the shootings? Do we have any data on that? This article doesn't discuss that and the city doesn't reveal that in this article. So, I mean, this is a mostly white city. It's the biggest, it's the whitest big city in the United States. Their plan is to have black-led organizations call in and do virtual public announcements to people who are known to be engaging in unsafe behavior and tell them that this level of violence is not acceptable and will lead to consequences. Really? That's their plan? So what does that mean? A virtual public announcement, like a text message? So if you're on the list of this Department of Community Justice or public safety village or whatever, if you're, if you're on their list as a baddie, you're going to get a text message that says, uh, this is not acceptable and it'll lead to consequences. And what, Junior's going to put the gun down? That, I mean, this is laughable. And this, this conflict resolution I mean, so what, what exactly are they proposing to do? Show up at a shooting and mediate it? I mean, recreation opportunities for youth are always important, but that's not going to do anything to immediately address what's going on. I mean, that's something that takes generations to solve. I mean, that's great, but it's not something that's going to do shit in the short term. A loss support group, of course. Decision making, skill building, of course we need things like that. Over the long term, those are great things, but what are we gonna do in the short term to stop a 800 to 1600 increase in shootings, homicides? A text message? Back to the article. The county will direct more than 2.8 million to public and behavioral health programs that address the root causes of violence, according to Multnomah County Health Department Director Ebony Clark. Clark said that because gun violence is often concentrated in neighborhoods with higher rates of poverty, lower well, not anymore. (laughs) Lower incomes, not anymore. Higher health disparities, higher eviction rates. None of this is true anymore. It's everywhere here. This is not... It's no longer a poverty issue. It's this is no longer a lower income issue. This is an all income issue. So you're going to send, you, you're going to direct behavioral health to poor people. That's great. I mean, I, I don't see any harm in that. I think that's wonderful. I don't think that's going to decrease shootings in Irvington and, and Northwest Twenty First in the Pearl District. I don't think that's going to do anything to solve the current amount of shootings that we have. Again, over generations, it might have some impact, but $2.8 million, continuing with the article... The county must push forward anti-poverty initiatives, emergency housing, trauma-informed therapy and drug treatment, school-based services, hunger relief, and access to healthcare clinics. That's a lot. So these are like wraparound services, which are great. If you told me that this is what they were doing to try to solve homelessness, I'd go, yeah, that sounds like the kinds of things we should be engaged in to solve homelessness. But to immediately remedy a eight to 1,600% increase in shootings and homicides in the city of Portland? No, no. Bro, that's not going to do it. The, none of this is going to do that. Continuing with the article, a new service provided by the health department will be a behavioral response team of seven mental health professionals who will serve within the Department of Community Justice's Women and Family Services Unit. They'll respond to shooting scenes. We'll work with families, providing them with safety plans, trauma support, and other resources. Again, that helps victims, and it should have been in place before because the victims need help, but it it does not help reduce gun violence. That's it. That's it, guys. That's the county's plan to reduce gun violence. Continue to confiscate illegal guns, which they're already doing at an ever-increasing rate, and it is not showing the slowing down the shootings in any way whatsoever. Uh, throw some more money at the prosecutor's office so that they can continue to focus on an increase in investigation and prosecution of homicidal maniacs, which is great, but that's not going to stop the shootings, that that only helps after people have been shot. And according to this article, we have already dramatically increased prosecutions of gun-related cases. Apparently, we are up almost 300 prosecutions from about 150 in the year before. So, that's not doing anything. In fact, shootings are continuing to increase. I'm not saying we shouldn't increase prosecutions and continue that upward trajectory, but it's not going to stop the increase of shootings or homicides. Removing illegal guns, we talked about that. We were already removing more illegal guns than ever. We, are, we confiscated about over 700 guns, Uh, up from about 300 the year before. Is that decreasing shootings? No, it's not. Shootings are continuing to monumentally increase. So that's not working. The the next prong of their plan, uh, community groups for therapy and um, virtual public announcements telling people, that violence is not acceptable and it will lead to consequences. I mean, this is, are community groups good and necessary? Is is giving youth opportunities to engage in recreation and learn about conflict resolution and get cognitive behavioral therapy that they need? Is that important? Of course it is. But it's important regardless of the gun violence. It's important in a vacuum. Is it going to decrease gun violence? I mean, maybe over decades and decades and generations. Maybe. I don't know. Do we have data on that? Do we have data on whether community groups like... Um, who, who engage in cognitive behavioral therapy and recreational opportunities for youth? Do we have data on whether that decreases gun violence? I mean, they're not providing it here. What about targeted virtual public announcements that are sent to people who are known to be engaging in quote-unquote unsafe behavior, relaying a message that this level of violence is unacceptable and will lead to consequences? Do we have data on that? Probably not. Why aren't we using data-based solutions that we know decrease gun violence? Why aren't we doing that? I mean, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know what those are. But maybe the county should look into it. I mean, a virtual public announcement is how they're going to solve gun violence. And then, of course, we have the $2.8 million of your money that is going to engage in anti-poverty initiatives, which I think is absolutely spectacular and might do something uh, for the homelessness issues. But I don't think that's going to do anything for gun violence. And to the extent it does, again, it will take generations and generations. And do we have data to support the idea that anti-poverty initiatives decrease gun violence? I don't know. I don't know that we do. And then, of course, this behavioral response team of the mental health professionals who are going to show up at shooting sites, we already know that's not going to decrease gun violence. It helps victims. It's great. So none of these things, some of them are already in place. They're, They're certainly not working because gun violence is continuing to exponentially increase and the rest of them there's no data on and frankly, they sound like something my fifth grader could come up with. I mean, a virtual public service announcement to the gangbangers and the gun-wielding homicidal maniacs. Are they out of their fucking minds? Are they serious right now? This This is the best that Multnomah County has to do with all the money we give it every year. Millions and millions of dollars. And this is the best they can do. This is their answer to gun violence. So PewResearch.org did a little analysis um, May 7th, 2013. Back then, gun homicide rate down 49% since 93 peak. Semicolon, public unaware, pace of decline slows in the past decade. And in looking at that article, really what I was most interested in was why, is, why, why did gun violence decrease from like the late 80s, early 90s crime wave. How, how did we get that down in the first place? And apparently they don't, we still have no data on that. This says researchers continue to debate, this is PewResearch.org, researchers continue to debate the key factors behind the changing crime rates, which is part of a larger discussion about predictors of crime. There is consensus that demographics played some role The outsized post-World War II baby boom, which produced a large number of people in the high crime ages of 15 to 20 in the 1960s and 70s helped drive crime up in those years. A review by the National Academy of Sciences factors driving recent crime trends cited a decline in rates in the early 80s as young boomers got older than a flare-up by mid-decade in conjunction with a rising street market for crack cocaine, especially in big cities. It noted recruitment of a younger cohort of drug seller with greater willingness to use guns. By the early 90s, crack markets withered in part because of a lessened demand, and the vibrant national economy made it easier for even low-skilled young people to find jobs rather than get involved in crime. I'm going to step away from the article for a minute. So what's interesting to me about that is drugs are decriminalized in Oregon, and the economy is frankly better than ever, and because of inflation, anybody with a pulse can get a job. I mean, in Sisters, the McDonald's was hiring people for twenty-two bucks an hour and something like that. It was at least twenty bucks an hour and a fifteen hundred dollars signing bonus, according to my husband, who was in Central Oregon recently. Uh, There was a huge sign up saying that. Everywhere I go, there is a sign saying "Help Wanted." Uh, apparently also like in Bend, somewhere in Central Oregon, they were trying to hire teen, young teenagers, like 13 and 14-year-olds or something. So this is, people can get jobs. So it's not about jobs. Jobs are a dime a dozen right now. Drugs are decriminalized. So why are we having a great why would we be having a great willingness to use guns if we're selling drugs? I mean, I guess maybe like deals gone bad or rival gang territories because drugs aren't legal. So you can't buy them. You can't buy crack or heroin from a dispensary. I mean, I'm sure soon you'll be able to do that here in Portland, but you can't do it right now. So I mean, maybe it's the increase in drug use. Maybe it's the increase in heroin. Maybe it's as simple as, maybe maybe it's, maybe that. certainly not simple, but maybe that's part of the confluence of events. And I certainly would not rule out uh, port, the lawless nature of Portland, Oregon in general, the way the government has completely and totally stepped away, unless you have the ability to write a check to fill their city and county coffers and also the defunding and the of police the lack of police just the lack of police numbers the giant decrease in police that we have and frankly their morale is probably in the garbage and they're probably not feeling up to doing much of anything because they're used to being harassed and spit at and screamed at and called a pig. And anywhere you go in the city, there's graffiti saying all cops are bastards, ACAB, uh, fuck the police, FTP, fuck 12. That's another fuck the police. So this isn't a town where law and order is respected. (laughs) In fact, that's an understatement. The article continues, at the same time, a rising number of people ages 30 and older were incarcerated due in part to stricter laws, which helped restrain violence among this age group. Well, we don't have stricter laws here. And as much as Mike Schmidt is touting that he's increasing the amount of people that he's arresting for gun violence, in general, he is very public that he is decreasing the amount of people he's arresting generally and the city and county are very public that they're not interested in crime unless it has to do with a gun otherwise they're just not interested in it and even then despite this proposal from the county i don't know that they that they are really interested in it because you know that skirmish between antifa and the proud boys The police were told to stand down. Ted Wheeler and the police said, we won't be intervening in this. And they knew a shootout was going to happen. So to say that we're now taking this, we're suddenly going to start taking this seriously. And we're we're waking up here when just minutes ago, we were told, the police were told to stand down when everybody and their dog knew that a shootout was going to happen that day is kind of ludicrous I mean, the messages that they're sending are pretty mixed. And this idea that they're going to be sending uh, virtual public service messages as part of their plan is, frankly, ludicrous. It's the same kind of stand down shit. It's just the same old crap. So I guess the point is, we don't know. We don't have data on what led to that decrease in late 80s, early 90s crime, gun violence, To the extent that drugs are a piece of it, I think treatment is helpful, but because drug addicts are necessarily not inclined to want treatment um, and because treatment of opiates requires generally not once, but many, many rehabs and many, many times. I mean, I don't think we're going to get rid of the opiate epidemic anytime soon, We seemed to decrease the crack epidemic, and we seemed that that did seem to fade away as the opiate epidemic increased. And so, I suppose we can be hopeful that the opiate epidemic will sort of like the Delta variant begin, you know, peak and then begin to recede. But in the meantime, until and unless we have some kind of carrot and stick approach where in regard to treatment, in regard to drug treatment, that's gonna be really, really difficult to engage in in any kind of meaningful way or to really stop this epidemic. Um, and that's just if, if drugs are involved. I mean, if drugs, we, we, we don't know. So what is the data on these shootings? Like, what are the facts surrounding all these shootings? Why aren't we compiling that data? Are they drug related? Are they gang related? It, are they domestic disputes? Let's put some data together on that so that we can address the causes of violence. Just throwing out um, public service announcements about how, with the text message about how Johnny needs to put his gun down and sending a bunch of therapists out to a, a gun scene, that, that's not gonna do it. That's all for now, folks. I want to thank a lot of our followers. I want to thank our new followers, first of all. I want to thank some of the loyal followers on Twitter. Centrist in Portland. Love you. Open Schools USA. They are at Open Schools US on Twitter. Centrist in Portland is at Centrist in Port 2 on Twitter. And Kim McGair, who is at K McGair on Twitter, she has an absolutely great feed as well. And she is a, a concerned parent who talks about COVID data, and she is great at publicizing compiled, reliable, statistically consistent data about COVID. Portland generally, things like that. She has a great feed and she follows a lot of really good doctors and scientists that are nationally renowned and she's good at throwing out garbage data and just finding and ferreting out good facts. So I really appreciate all of you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you to those of you who are reaching out, asking really good questions like this homicide increase question let's keep asking questions. Let's keep having conversations and let's keep talking about all the things we can't talk about in Portland. Love you guys.